You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostrecker of Ravens Wire, and we are back with a very special Purple Friday episode. Of course, Matthew Stevens will be joining us to talk Titans at Ravens, but first, we have another very special guest. Four-time Super Bowl winner and Hall of Fame quarterback Terry Bradshaw joins me on the show to talk about the Ravens, talk about their success this season and the playoffs as well. Terry has a lot of success himself in the playoffs, as is evidenced by his four Super Bowl titles. And it's great to be able to talk to him and understand his mindset on how the Ravens have been doing this year. So without any further ado, let me introduce Terry Bradshaw. Terry, first of all, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I want to start off by asking you about the man who everybody's talking about at the moment, and that's Lamar Jackson and what he's been able to do this season. So when you look at what Lamar Jackson has done and how he's improved from year one to year two, what's impressed you the most? Well, the improvement, number one, and not just the improvement, rapid gigantically from first year. Of course, he only came in, you know, basically halfway through the year last year. Uh, we got a we got a an idea of how good uh, potentially could be. So you're not sure, you know. You're, okay, we saw this was, you know, but this year he's just exploded. But Romans, the way Romans is, see, Romans had Colin Kaepernick, and so he he is he devised a um, offensive plan for Colin Kaepernick uh, that we had not seen in this league. A quarterback, big, fast, that could throw. Uh, Howitzers. I mean, Colin could flat rip it. And so we weren't used to that. And after a year, they kind of got used to it. And then, of course, you know, the rest is kind of history. Um, so Romans being his his uh, coordinator is a huge benefit. And I think Harbaugh bringing him in when he made the commitment to uh, Jackson uh, was a testament to to, to the commitment that the Ravens were going to have in their quarterback. This is the route we're going. And obviously, there's great risk involved. First of all, let's just say what he is. He's explosive. He's mm-hmm. big. He's fast. Uh, I questioned his arm strength, but it's uh, it's more than adequate. Uh, people, may, people say, well, his release is funky. Well, every quarterback in the NFL has a not all the releases are the same. If you go back in the 60s and 50s and you compare uh, those quarterbacks, Unitas and Ball and Starr, all three different, but all great results. And so I don't worry about that. He's great inside the numbers with their zone passing. He's extreme. He's as elusive. I, I, Mike, Mike, uh, Michael Vick works for us at Fox, and Michael and I are really good friends. And, and I loved Michael Vick when he played in Atlanta. Uh, and I basically have said that he's a bigger version of Michael. I don't know if he's, I don't think he's as fast as Michael, uh, but he is elusive and quick and he can run, he can run like the wind. And he's, this year he's proven that he's a very adequate, if not above adequate passers. And that is only going to get better. So it's something we've never seen. We'll get used to it. Teams will adjust to it. Uh, some teams have played him with five defensive backs, six defensive backs to start the season off. Some people have blitzed him. Some have tried to play uh, zone, read two gap, but they've tried everything <laughs> to try to stop him. And to his benefit, he's 
I think what's happened with Jackson is the fact that he does look downfield to throw the football before he passes it. And uh, that is a great sign right there. So onward and upward, and we're blessed to have him in the NFL. Yeah, 100% agree, and you hit it right on the head. He He's explosive, and he's so fun to watch, and such a down-to-earth yeah. guy as well. He's a guy who you almost yep. can't not root for. But on the other side of the football for the yeah. Ravens, their defense, you know, kind of struggled in weeks three and four, gave up 500 total yards to the, both the Chiefs and the Browns. Right. And Eric DaCosta, right. who, in my opinion, is, you know, in the running for executive of the year went out got a few inside linebackers traded for Marcus Peters in week seven how impressed have you been with the Ravens defense and their ability to turn it around and kind of complement that offense listen listen you can go plug in people but it doesn't mean that they're they are ideal for the concept right you can put in the linebackers and maybe they can't play the system Uh, you can put in corners and safeties and maybe they can't play the system the Ravens have always been uh, a a dominant defense. They've always had great safeties, very good corners. Yeah. Linebacker play has always been outstanding. And so when you when you look, just if you just look at that, they've gone out and brought in the people and put them in place, and it's just it's picked up. Uh, he filled the gaps, and they hit on them. They hit on every one of them, and their defense now uh, matches up with their offense. I mean, they're. I don't think there's anybody, with the exception of my wife, who's sitting right over there at her desk, <laughs> and she's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And uh, so, no matter who I think is going to win that game, personally, I will have to say Kansas City uh-huh. if, they, <laughs> if it gets to that. But, uh, my gosh, um, they, it's a complete team. Definitely a team that can go to the Super Bowl. Definitely a team that can win the Super Bowl. No, There is no question about that. Well, the playoff game last year was... Uh, he still threw for a couple of touchdowns. He did. He and that, he, but, the, the Ravens almost won that football game. He actually drove them back, and it was impressive to watch. Right. But I thought it was uh, they started the game with six, but it was seven defensive back, which is smart. But you got Ingram. Exactly. Now you can't do that. They you know, go out and they're going to play seven defensive backs. You run the football. Exactly, and it's it's that's, pick your poison. That's a no brainer right there. So that see that offsets the seven and the six smart. I thought Coach Lynn for the Chargers, that was a pretty smart move last year. But that won't work this year. No, they have Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. Their running back room is exceptional. If he can play and if his cap can hold up, he he was without doubt the difference maker. Percentage for a quarterback goes up when he can run, when he has a running game. Uh, And everybody says, well, it's because he can do play action. No, it is not because you can do play action. It's because they have to worry about the run. Exactly. They all set defenses up like first down. Your potential is 65% of the time you run the football. They'll set up a run defense. But you don't have to do play action. You You only do play action with plays you run. If you haven't run them, play action a lot of times does you no good. But common sense says if you can run the football and you run it and run it effectively then play action is good mm-hmm. so playing yeah. jackson i mean how i wouldn't want to have to defense this guy but they will figure it out listen these are smart people in the nfl they will study and they will figure it out they always do and with the defense the is evolving i think the offense will as well figured out the, the west coast offense was figured out by blitzing both the strong side and inside backer uh, and you have to do blitz controls. And so they figured that out. They're, they always figure it out. And I've said this about Cam Newton and every great athlete 
eventually he plays the game from the pocket because he's going to get hurt. Just, you know, just going to get hurt just the way it is. And he's going to get old and he's going to get slower. It's just the way it is. And the way that, you know, Lamar Jackson takes care of his body. I know Michael Vick and Lamar are close and, you know, Michael's told him a few things about he didn't want to take some of the hits he took. And Lamar has been very smart about his body. But when you look at Lamar Jackson in the playoffs and, you know, any advice that you would give him as a young quarterback, the playoffs are a different animal. And, you know, you've had your fair share of success in the playoffs, Terry. And for Lamar Jackson, what what advice would you give him? Right. Right. You have to find your comfort zone. Um, You can't you can't look at. Listen, a playoff game is different. You know that. I mean, common sense, you know that. You know each victory gets you closer to going to a Super Bowl. And so you have to find your comfort zone to where you can perform like a, like it's a regular 16-week game. A, a, a early, a early part of the season is where you're most comfortable. The latter part of the season, you have big games where you – have to win this, they had to be the division, had to get home field advantage. Those are all different types of pressure. And you feel them. You do. You feel them. But you find, once your games, you have to find your comfort zone. Play within, you know, play within the system. Do what you've been doing. Don't worry about it. Don't try to live up to anybody's expectations. If you want to throw it 30 times, throw it 30. If you don't run it at all, who cares? You know, it's all there. It's always there. Perception is it's always there. But you have to find your comfort zone. And I don't know what that is for him, and he does, but I don't. Listen, from what I've seen, that is not going to be a problem with him. He's going to play fine. He's going to play fine. I think so, too. When you you talk about comfort zone, the Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. How important is their fan base, and how important is it for the Ravens to be in M&T Bank Stadium surrounded by their fans? Well, that's, come on, you know, that there's nothing, there's no place like home. Dorothy (laughs) said that in the Wizards of Oz. (laughs) It is... uh, you sleep in your own bed. You have your own routines. You don't have to get on a plane, fly across two time zones. It's it's a comfort. You're very comfortable. The fans do all the screaming, all the hollering. I've never seen a fan yet make a tackle, an interception, kick a field goal, <laughs> extra point, run for a touchdown. Uh, and people say, well, they got the greatest fans. Everybody has great fans when you have a winning team. They all scream. They all holler. They all and – the, and the players, they – you know, they feed off of that. They feed off of that energy. Uh, it, it puts a little extra step, you know, in your, in your giddy-up. Uh, it's a good feeling, man, to be at home and know that everybody loves you. Everybody loves you. Uh, it's a good feeling. So home field advantage is a tremendous, tremendous advantage. And I've always said, and maybe a lot of people, maybe I heard somewhere that this is the case, but this is the way I feel Two teams equal, home field advantage to me is a field goal. Yep. And you win the game, and you move on, and you move on. I, I totally agree with that, and I know that, Terry, the Ford Hall of Fans is something that, you know, should be important to Ravens fans because there's a Ravens fan who's up for nomination, Captain Defense, who's been a Ravens season ticket holder since 1996 right. when the Ravens debuted. We're really fortunate. Last year we had our first voting by the fans, who all all they have to do if you want to vote for your for your favorite uh, fan all you got to do is is go online to fordhalloffans.com football and vote and you can vote every day for your one special fan every day all the way up to January 27th and that fan now this is so cool last year was our first time to do the Ford Hall of Fan 
And what happens is, as a Hall of Fame director, his name is David Baker. He will knock. You'll you'll go down to the uh, Super Bowl, and that same day that the NFL greats get a knock on the door to go into the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fan, Ford Football Hall of Fan, gets a knock on the door, and David Baker then uh, inducts you or says you're into the to the Ford Football Hall of Fan. And not only, let me tell you something. There is a place at Canton. It is so cool. A place at Canton, the the winner, whoever that person might be. And if you want to know who your fan is in the area, all you got to do is go for, is is go FordHallOfFans.com and just look it up, and there it'll say who he is or her. But they get a jacket. They get a jacket. They get an uh, indoctrinated. Oh, it's amazing. And you get a, you get a Hall of Fan ring. Uh, I, it is so cool what the NFL and Ford are doing. And uh, so I would encourage those that are uh, watching your podcast right now that uh, they've got someone out there. You can vote every day right up to January 22nd for the for the um, Ford Hall of Fan and uh, put them in there. You know, the most most votes, obviously, you can you can get in and just a really it's a great treat. And I know Raven, the Raven team has great fans last year a Steeler got in and that was kind of cool <laughs> yeah and uh there are other the other teams that are competing this year that have got the most votes so far are Dallas I believe it's Dallas and my wife's Chiefs the Raver the let's see the Raiders and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. I think it is the Buccaneers and so there's there's six uh six people right now it's pretty cool, and it's a, it's a fun thing. It's a great thing. It's great for Ford. It's great for the NFL, and it's great for the community where, where these professional teams are located. Yeah, and so for Ravens fans, Wes Hansen is the Ravens fan captain defense. Be sure there to go, go to FordHallOfFans.com. Vote for him. But, Terry, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And, oh, it's my you know. pleasure, and good luck this week. It's going to be so much fun watching you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. A big thanks again to Terry for coming on the show. It was great to talk to him and hear his insights on the Ravens, but we are going to go to break now, and when we come back, we are going to be talking to Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wires. We get into our full game preview and predictions for the Titans at Ravens game, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostrecker here with you, and as is Purple Friday tradition, now we have Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire joining us, and this is a big Purple Friday, Matthew, the divisional round. The Titans travel to Baltimore in what should be a hard-fought and exciting game. What are your initial thoughts on this one? Well, the initial thoughts are Baltimore's playing Baltimore. I mean, a, a team that likes to beat up other teams, likes to be more physical than them, uh, likes to run the football especially. Uh, you know, I, I've said this repeatedly this week on, on various different shows and in, in our articles, but I, you kind of get like a 2012-2000 vibe from, from this Tennessee Titans team. Uh, just good enough quarterback play, just good enough defensive play, a really stout uh, uh, running back that uh, an offensive line combination that's that's kind of grinding themselves into victories. This is the team that I think I was probably the most afraid of coming into the postseason uh, was the Tennessee Titans. So don't uh, don't sleep on what Tennessee's got going on, even though we'll get to it shortly. But I, I still think Baltimore's got this. But still, don't, don't sleep on Tennessee. You can't sleep on anybody in January playoffs. 
a whole different animal, a whole different atmosphere. And luckily the Ravens will have that atmosphere in their home stadium. But Matthew, getting into the offense and how it matches up with the Tennessee defense, you know, there are two big elephants in the room, both, you know, I'll ask you one than the other. The first one is the Ravens rust versus, you know, rest situation where, you know, now we're here. The Ravens are playing on Saturday. They're practicing, getting ready for the game. And Lamar Jackson is a guy who hasn't played a game of meaningful football since week 16, along with a lot of these other Ravens starters. How do you expect Lamar Jackson to come out of the gate here? We know that sometimes he can be a little antsy as, you know, these big games come up. You, you look back and, you know, Jackson versus Mahomes and the Chiefs games, he can get a little antsy. And, you know, I think this is a big stage for Lamar Jackson. Obviously it is. How do you think Lamar Jackson comes out of the gate and performs? I, I think he performs very well. I mean, I, I, this this whole rust thing is something that I'm not terribly worried about. Uh, you know, you look back earlier into the season for every team, every team gets a bye week in the middle of the season at some point. Uh, and this was never anything that we were ever discussing during Baltimore's bye week of, oh, they're coming off a bye, man. They're, they're going to be rusty. No, they, they came out and they, they stomped on the New England Patriots for, for 60 minutes. Um, so this notion of, of, of rust because they sat for a week or two is, is kind of a goofy one for me. Realistically, any team after 16 games – uh, wants to get their guys rest. The, these guys want to be rested. They they look forward to the bye week. So you better believe they're looking forward to, you know, a, a, a week of rest and maybe a light practice the following week in order just to get their bodies right and kind of return a little bit to form. Uh, and in talking to players over the years, a lot of them, when you get to the end of the season, a lot of them say, look, I'm going to treatment every day, not to get better, not to improve how things are going, but just to simply to stop hurting a little bit or, or to not have my body break down further for them to get a few weeks rest. I mean, Baltimore should be the healthiest team in the playoffs right now, simply because of that, because they got a chance to get week 17 off uh, and the first round by a healthy fresh Baltimore Ravens team. We've seen it all season long. We've seen it under John Harbaugh. He gets his guys ready to play. Uh, and, and they're, they're fantastic after a bye. So after two weeks, dude, this should be easily the best team in, in, in the playoffs. Yeah. And you mentioned that, Earl, I mean, Earl Thomas said that he needed this bye week and he needed the rest in week 17. And even he needed the veteran day just this week in practice. It's an absolute luxury for these players that go through a 16 game season, you know, hit after hit, you know, car crash after car crash, as people call them. It's important for these players to get rest. And I agree with you, Matthew. I don't think that they're going to be rusty. They're going to come out strong. John Harbaugh's record off of bye just adds fuel to that fire as well. But the other elephant in the room also pertains to health. And that's Mark Ingram. Ingram returned to practice yesterday. And Adam Sheffer reports that he's expected to play on Saturday. But of course, even if he does play, the question is, how much will he play? How effective will he be? The big question of the whole week for Ravens fans was, one, if Mark Ingram doesn't play, is Gus Edwards and is Justice Hill going to be able to kind of replicate that production? And two, you know, if Ingram is able to play, how much of him would we see? What do you expect in those two phases? Do you think Ingram will play? And if he does... How much do you think he will play, and how effective will Gus Edwards and Justice Hill be? Well, I, I do think Mark Ingram's going to play. I mean, the the whole note was that he kind of uh, he felt a little tightness last week in in his uh, calf and just kind of backed off of it. The team wanted to be cautious with him more than anything else, more than than his injury was a huge flare up and it was a a big issue. But you know, anytime you're talking about a strain, you're talking about realistically a tear. Uh, it, it usually means a very low grade tear, but still a tear nonetheless. And, and Anyone that's dealt with a strain or a sprain knows when you feel like you're good, 
you're not actually good yet. You, you got about another week left before you're a hundred percent again. Uh, and, and you can have a flare up like that. So for, for Ingram to have a little bit of a flare up, I'm not terribly shocked. I'm sure they kind of worked on it this week and, and most of his time was spent in the training room. Just again, working on it, massaging it, getting the ice baths, getting the heat, getting, you know, different things put into it in order to, to get him ready for this week. The fact that he came to practice on Thursday uh, and he's listed as questionable after being called day to day. We've seen time and time again this season that, that Baltimore will give guys a questionable designation if they're pretty sure they're going to play. But realistically, they just need to need them to get out there on the, on the field right beforehand, test it out and just are you sure you're good? If you are, then solid. For a playoff game where, you know, if Baltimore loses, well, they don't they don't get another one this season. Uh, they're out. They're done. I expect Ingram to play outside of a major injury happening or, or him just absolutely not being able to suit up at all. Uh, so I would expect him to play. But that being said, as, as you mentioned, Gus Edwards is, is going to step in. Uh, and it would not shock me very much if Ingram isn't 100% if Baltimore kind of goes, hey, look, we're going to give – we're going to give you the things that we need you to do. Uh, but Gus Edwards can handle that role in a very similar fashion uh, in terms of that power inside rushing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect Edwards to get a significant number of carries just in order to kind of spell Ingram and hopefully keep him fresh for next week. You know, Baltimore is lucky in the fact that they've got Edwards, they've got Ingram, they've got Justice Hill, and they use Lamar Jackson in a rushing uh, uh, type of way. They'll be able to kind of limit his carries without having to do major damage. Like like if Derrick Henry was out, they'd have to switch to a completely different running back and their, their entire scheme would be changed up dramatically uh, by that. I agree. And, you know, part of the luxury of being in this Ravens offense is that you have guys under you who – can do your job well if you're not out there 100%. The worst thing for the Ravens is if Mark Ingram plays in this football game and just ends up getting re-injured because the Ravens are overusing him or aren't confident in the abilities of Edwards because if they advance to the AFC Championship game, then if Ingram re-injures his calf, you know, he's probably not there for that and you want him to be 100% healthy for a game against the Chiefs or the Texans. But Matthew, there was a piece of big news that came out of Tennessee yesterday and that's the fact that linebacker Jayon Brown will not play in this football game. And I think that's a very big loss for Tennessee. He's a guy who's very athletic, one of their most athletic defenders, and he excels in pass coverage. And that's a big factor for the Ravens, especially because the Titans generally struggle against tight ends. And Brown is a guy who fills in admirably, you know, and kind of masks that a little bit. With But with him out, they're going to have to rely on guys like David Long, Wesley Woodyard, and I think this is going to be a game where Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle, even Patrick Ricard get looked at a lot by Lamar Jackson. How big of a loss is this for Tennessee? And how do you expect the passing game to go for Baltimore? Well, it's a major loss for Tennessee. And as you kind of alluded to, uh, you know, he's the guy that really does cover the running backs out of the backfield and covers tight ends you know, up the seam. This is the difficult thing with Baltimore's offense, and, and we've mentioned it all season long. They're a pick-your-poison style of, of offense where, cool, you're going to cover this? We'll, we'll go this way. You're going to commit two guys to trying to stop Lamar Jackson? That means there's a hole someone else, uh, or you're leaving a guy on one-on-one coverage, and I trust that matchup. By losing Brown for this game, Tennessee's going to have to double up on Mark Andrews. I mean, that's just that's factual. Or they're going to have to let him go one-on-one against a, a backup. And if that's the case, man, Mark Andrews is going to have 15 receptions in this game. Um, so you can't let that happen. Realistically, you cannot let 
uh, Mark Andrews and, and especially Lamar Jackson get into a rhythm. And, and as we've seen all season long, Lamar Jackson goes to Mark Andrews more than anything else. So uh, if you let Mark Andrews kind of run free and, and not double him or not bracket coverage him, uh, you're going to let Lamar Jackson get into a rhythm. And that's going to be a huge thing, uh, a huge negative thing for Tennessee. So by putting two guys on him again, now, what are you doing? Where are you taking that second guy from? Are you taking a safety? Okay, cool. Well, now I've got Marquise Brown on one-on-one coverage against a guy like, you know, Addery Jackson, uh, who has been banged up this week as well with a foot injury was uh, not practicing both Tuesday and Wednesday, though he doesn't have an injury designation. If he's not a hundred percent, I mean, that's a matchup that I would have loved already. Marquise Brown against uh, Jackson, a not healthy Jackson, Marquise Brown should blow him out of the water on every single snap. If that's the case, now you've got no safety help. All right, well that that's a matchup I'm going to all the time, or you take another linebacker and you go ahead and doing that. Cool. Well now you don't have a guy spying uh, Lamar Jackson as well, or, or a guy's trying to do double duty there. Well, that's a matchup I'm going to win or fine. Yeah. You have a free safety come in and, and, and spy in on Lamar Jackson. You're able to limit him a little bit. Then fine. Stop Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards up the middle. Cause we put uh, Andrews out in, in motion was able to go ahead and move a linebacker over and then get him out into a route to free up the middle of the field. Uh, the running backs will end up gaining 15 yards of carry. That's the dangerous thing about Baltimore's offense. And it, it hurts teams that are completely healthy and completely able to, to do the right things. It's damaging. If you're missing a key player like Brown, dude, that that's a huge blow. Uh, and as I mentioned, Jackson as well being banged up. Right. And, you know, you mentioned the fact that this is a pick your poison offense and, you know, you sell out to stop the run. The Ravens will beat you with the pass. You sell out to stop with the pass and the Ravens will run all over you. This is going to be an opportunity for Tennessee to showcase, you know, okay, we have the defensive pieces, but it's going to be hard when their top defensive pieces aren't out there and 20 points against the Patriots. That's not going to cut it against a team like Baltimore and especially against, you know, the Ravens defense who we're going to get into in the next segment that has barely allowed over 20 points over the last seven weeks or so. So it's going to be difficult for Tennessee to really regain their defensive mojo if Baltimore does get out to that early lead. But we are going to go to break now. When we get back for our final segment, we're going to be talking about the Ravens defense going up against Derrick Henry and that Titans offense. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Purple Friday divisional round locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Oshiker is still here with Matthew Stevens. And we just talked about the Ravens offense. Well, let's flip the field a bit and talk about the Ravens defense. And this game, Matthew, was all about stopping Derrick Henry, a guy who put up 182 yards on 34 carries against the Patriots. That's a lot to put on somebody's body, regardless of how much of a transformer, Megatron, whatever you want to call it, beast of a player that Derrick Henry is. How much do you think those effects in the Patriots game are going to linger into this Ravens game? Because like we said, the Ravens really beefed up on their rest, and that helped them and will help them in this game against Tennessee. Tennessee's been playing meaningful football for a while. They just got out of a tough game against the Patriots. How much of a factor do you think that has on this Tennessee team? Well, I mean, I think it's it's pretty much their entire game plan. They're going to try to rely on the run. They're going to try to rely on Derrick Henry uh, creating some space and, and running over guys and you know, it's 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 a sound strategy. It's one that typically works, but Baltimore isn't New England. And we kind of talked a little about this before uh, we started recording here, but New England, by the second half, just guys weren't even trying to get in Derrick Henry's way. Like, it, it, they were just tired of it. 
Uh, and, and it's so uncommon to see a New England team effectively just give up, uh, which is what you do when you don't even get in a guy's way when he's running the football. But Baltimore isn't going to do that. Baltimore is going to go ahead and make sure Derrick Henry regrets every time he touches that football. And, and I think that's going to be the key there. If Baltimore can tackle, and that's a huge if, we've, we've seen it earlier in the season uh, against Cleveland uh, in, in week four, where they kind of let Nick Chubb just go all over the place and struggled tackling him. If they do that, Derrick Henry is going to do a lot of what he did against New England. Uh, that being said, is I think Baltimore has a really good offense and can handle things there, but it, it's going to put the pressure on them to do that. If Baltimore is able to tackle and able to make sure that he, you know, he gains a modest amount of yards per carry uh, and, and doesn't kill him, then really Tennessee's going to have to rely on the arm of Ryan Tannehill. And Baltimore fans should remember him from Miami uh, all those years ago. The dude isn't the greatest quarterback. He's he's all right. He's a game manager more than anything else. He can get it done on play action, uh, get it done against the blitz a little bit, but he's not good against Baltimore's types of defenses, the aggressive schemes, uh, the guys that can come in from different areas. So it really is a match made in heaven as long as Baltimore does their job and is able to get multiple guys on Henry and is able to go ahead and bring him down for, again, modest gains uh, every time. But if you're Tennessee... That, that's what you got to do. You got to go ahead and rely on Henry to try to punish the uh, the Baltimore front and, and potentially open up the passing lanes later on in the game. Yeah, and you mentioned Ryan Tannehill. You know, how does Baltimore game plan for him? Because you're right, Ravens fans should remember him from Miami. And while he has certainly turned this Titans team around in 2019, propelled them to the playoffs along with Derrick Henry. He can still be forced into some bad decisions while he is a very good quarterback against the Blitz. How do you prepare for Tannehill and how do you rattle him, rattle a quarterback who's so good against the Blitz? Well, I think the key there is is having a secondary that's able to also lock things down. I mean, the, the Blitz is always predicated on, I got to get to you before you can get the football out. Uh, and, and either Baltimore's going to let guys get open and that's they're going to struggle with that and Tannehill's going to get the football out of his hand quickly and be able to make big plays, or he's going to be forced to hold on to that football and, and there's only so many of those times before he eventually starts staring at his offensive line to see where a defender is coming in at. If you can confuse Tannehill and, and Baltimore does a great job of, you know, moving Judon over to like middle linebacker and have him rush up the middle. Uh, so you don't really know where anyone's coming from. A safety blitz can happen. A corner blitz can happen. A delayed blitz can happen. All of those things can happen literally on the same play at times. That, that makes it tough on a quarterback to read the defense before the snap and know where to go with the football. So if the secondary does a good enough job and is able to jam guys at the line of scrimmage, is able to go ahead and, and kind of stay in, a, in the hip pocket of, of a wide receiver, Tannehill is smart and he's been in this league long enough to not make too many stupid plays, to, to not throw too many footballs into uh, bad decisions. Yeah, and it was a question I was kind of asking myself earlier in the week with Derrick Henry there and with Marcus Peters ability to tackle which might is not the best on the team peters is a little bit smaller has a slight frame and sometimes you know peters is a great cover cornerback there's no question he's one of the best in the league that's why the ravens locked him up but when he's on the field teams seem to target his side of the field on running plays and for the most part it can be pretty effective now the ravens have a physical secondary jimmy smith is huge marlon humphrey's physical chuck clark earl thomas they have a bunch of guys but in these running situations, Matthew, first down, second down, would you expect the Ravens to maybe shift their personnel away from Marcus Peters, maybe keep him on the sideline in obvious passing situations just for that fact? Uh, you know, you, you raise a good point. I mean, th that might be the case. Uh, I think a lot has been made about Peters' uh, lack of tackling or lack of want to tackle at times. 
But with this defense, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really seen a ton of that. Uh, he might not be the most aggressive guy when it comes to, to getting in like a guy like Derrick Henry's face, uh, but he's got a little swagger to him. He, he wants to get in there. And, and as long as the rest of the defense, again, is gang tackling a guy like Henry, I think you'll see Peters kind of stick his helmet in there and maybe go low. So a lot of it's really going to depend on, you know, how, how confident do you feel of, of Peters to be able to do that? How confident are you when your linebackers are scraped down and give him some help uh, when Peters does bounce outside or when, when Henry does bounce outside? But you're right. I mean, if he starts to struggle with that a little bit on first and second down, then certainly I, I would expect Marlon Humphrey and, and Jimmy Smith to kind of stay in there on those downs. And then you bring Peters in on on obvious passing situations on third downs when uh, when his skill set can be used a little bit better and you have less chance of seeing Derrick Henry kind of bounce it outside. Um, but again, a lot of it, I think, is going to be a feel thing uh, in terms of how he performs in this game and how confident defensive coordinator Don Martindale is that, uh, that Peters will stick his helmet in, in on Henry. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, with Peters being such a good cover cornerback, and I also, you know, agree with you to to an extent here, the fact that Peters really has been aggressive in his tackling to a degree. Now, you see maybe in a San Francisco game or the Buffalo game, those weren't his best performances, but against the Rams, and obviously there was a little motivation there, he was in everybody's face trying to tackle everybody, force the ball out. That's the Marcus Peters the Ravens need against Derrick Henry, the aggressive Marcus Peters, not only in pass coverage, but while tackling the football as well. But Matthew, let's get into some final score predictions now. This is a game that, again, I think is going to be tough. It's going to be hard fought, physical. Do you expect the Ravens to move on here or do you expect them to be packing? I completely expect them to move on. I mean, all, all this talk about Derrick Henry and, and all those things. Uh, and I think Tennessee is a good team and I think they're they're heading in the right direction. But like we, we've kind of done for the last, what, 12 games now. Baltimore walks into these matchups as the more physical team, as the more talented team, as the more well-coached team, with better special teams as well, for that matter. As long as Baltimore doesn't commit a ton of turnovers, as long as Baltimore tackles well, they should get out to a quick lead, and we've seen it time and time again this season. Once Baltimore gets out to a 14-point lead, uh, especially if it happens in the first half, the game's over. I mean, the game's just over. Tennessee doesn't have the type of offense, and, and no offense to Ryan Tannehill, but he's not the type of quarterback that can win a shootout. He's never been that type of guy. Uh, he's been more of a game manager that just, you know, doesn't make huge mistakes, but doesn't really, you know, doesn't put the team on his back either. So the best case scenario really for, for Tennessee is that it turns into a shootout. Uh, and that's not a good sign for, for Tennessee. They don't have the, the massive number of wide receivers and tight ends to be able to take out uh, Baltimore secondary really it all relies on Derrick Henry. And if he can get started, then they'll, they'll do good things. But if he can't, man, it's, it's not going to be good. So I'm going all in on Baltimore here, 38 to 20. I think they get out to a 14 point lead and just cruise the rest of the way. See, if that's the case, if Baltimore does get out to a 14, no lead, I just don't see any way Tennessee can do much of anything in the game because that's really where I think Baltimore is going to win as well. The fact that I also expect them to get up to a hot start. And if that's the case, Tennessee is going to have to all but abandon the run to start putting some points on the board. And yes, you can argue that, OK, if Derrick Henry averages five, six, seven yards a carry, they can just march down the field. But this Ravens defense has a much better 
you know, run personnel than the Patriots do. And you look at, you know, Danny Shelton and Lawrence Guy as kind of the two biggest guys on the Patriots defensive line. The Ravens have Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, Damata Pecco, not even to mention Chris Wormley, and then very physical linebackers with Judon and LJ Fort, Josh Bynes. This team just matches up better with the Titans. And yes, the Titans, I agree with you. They're going in the right direction. They have a great foundation. I think Mike Vrabel is a good coach. But you just have to look at what the Ravens have been doing. And I think people are quick to forget what they've been doing. When you actually go back, look at how dominant the Ravens have been against good teams. And Tennessee is a good team. They've dropped opponents in the rushing rankings on defense almost like 10 spots. They did it to the Rams. They did it to the Texans. I think this is Baltimore's game to win unless there are a lot of turnovers if Lamar Jackson gets sloppy with the ball. But he has done a great job at not doing that this season. And so I expect the Ravens to win. I think it's going to be a little more, a little closer than you predicted, Matthew. I'm going to say, uh, I'll say 30 to 23 Ravens, but I think the box score, you know, won't do it justice to, you know, how dominant the Ravens will be there. But Matthew, that's all I have for you today. Again, thank you for joining me on the show. And as is tradition, now we're in the playoff tradition. Next week, hopefully uh-huh. we're talking about the Ravens' victory over the Titans moving on to the AFC Championship to face either the Chiefs or the Texans. Absolutely, man. Let's go. I'm I'm excited about this. I'm excited to see what Baltimore does this week. I don't think I've been this pumped for a football game in in quite some time. And, man, I do love football. So uh, this is going to be an exciting game, and it's an exciting season for fans. So uh, show up to the game if you've got tickets. I don't want to see any tickets being sold. And make sure that you're you're screaming so loud at your television that – uh, you add to the noise down at the stadium. Yeah, ex- excitement is in the air in Baltimore, and excitement should be, you know, radiating off the seats in M&T Bank Stadium and loud, proud, and, you know, force the Titans to do that silent count and make sure they can't communicate. So exactly right there. But we are going to take a two-day break here, watch some Ravens football on Saturday, and then when we get back on Monday, we're going to be getting into everything Titans at Ravens in the divisional round. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you on Monday.